Let's get into the Word of the Lord today and see what God has in store for us. Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me, Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to read about five verses here out of Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse number 6. Brother Kuzman, so good to see you this morning. Always good to have you with us. May God richly bless you. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 6. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. You did run well, who did hinder you, that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning just out of that little piece of the seventh verse, the scripture said, ye did run well. Ye did run well. I want to speak to you this morning. Run well. Run well. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you have laid upon our hearts. Let your mind be unleashed through my tongue this morning as I speak your word today. Lord, the task set before me is greater than I. I pray for every heart, for every person that walked in this room this morning. I pray, Lord, that through your word and through your spirit that you would accomplish great things today. And I give you honor. And I give you praise. In Jesus' name. Would you sing this old chorus with me before you're seated this morning? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy Come on, sing it with me this morning. Say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless His seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. In our text this morning, there is conflict in the church. 
there are some new and varied opinions among the believers. The church in Galatia was established and was doing very well. It was a wonderful new church that was gaining new converts and was growing and God was blessing. But in the midst of every good thing that was happening, there was something that began to transpire. Someone began to teach and began to practice the ancient law of circumcision as part of the salvation process. This wasn't something new. This was old, but it was new in the church because the church was not established on such practices and upon such principles for that was Old Testament and it came out uh, of the Old Testament law and someone now is bringing the Old Testament principle into the New Testament church and began to teach it and began to practice it as a prerequisite for salvation in the New Testament church. The church was doing great. There was no problem with the church. There was no need to try to change doctrine, but somewhere somebody had infiltrated the hearts and the minds of the people and began to bring back old traditions of law. And now this old concept begins to be taught as a New Testament practice and principle. And this created great conflict in the church. People There were varied opinions. People were odds with one another in this conflict that had transpired in the church. The Apostle Paul was called in to try to settle the matter, and when the Apostle, of course, hears what is transpiring, he comes and he speaks clearly as the Apostle would, and he spoke very clearly on the subject matter. The Apostle Paul said that if you are going to bring back part of the law, you 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 got to bring back the whole law because a little bit of the law is not going to do any good for you. You you got to have the whole law. So why bring back part of the law if you're not going to bring back the whole law? And he says if we're going to bring back uh, a piece of the law, then the teaching of the cross of Calvary is of none effect. There's no purpose to even preach the blood of Jesus as salvation. There's no point of even teaching or preaching that it was through grace and mercy and the redemptive work of the cross that we are saved. But you're going to bring back this piece of the law and you're going to fit into this New Testament church that is preaching and teaching repentance and baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. 
but yet we're going to bring back Old Testament practices and Old Testament principles, and we're going to begin to, to infiltrate the church with these ideas of merging the law and the New Testament, and we're going to try to arrive at some new doctrine. The Apostle Paul came and he said, a little leaven will leaven, leaveneth the, the whole lump. He said, you can't bring back some piece of false teaching or piece of false doctrine in the church. Or if you do, then uh, that little piece of false doctrine will have an effect in the church and it will before long begin to affect the entire church. You, you, you see, we got to get this thing right, ladies and gentlemen. We, we can't teach part of the Word of God, but we've got to teach the entire Word of God. We, we can't take the pieces of, uh, of, of what we want. We, we, we have a tendency in this society that we live today to, 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 to want to take what benefits us and, and, and the parts and pieces that, that we, uh, we want to live by but not live by uh, the, the, the whole principle of God's Word. The Apostle Paul warns the church in Galatia against this. He says, uh, if you're going to bring back this law of circumcision, then you, you've taken the work of the cross completely out of the picture. But if a man or woman could realize that they are saved by the work of the cross and not by the work of a man's hand, then you will know that the law was fulfilled. And now he teaches that circumcision is not a principle or a practice that uh, is part of the salvation process as it was under the law, but uh, that now there is a New Testament circumcision that is not done by the hands of man, but it is done by the hand of God. And it is done on the inward part of man and that the heart of man receives a godly circumcision that cuts off the old man that we were and allows there to be a new man that begins to develop and grow in us. He says the cross will teach us that your circumcision is a spiritual work that God now performs on your heart by His Spirit. Somebody say amen. But the apostle sees that something has changed in the church in Galatia. Here is a church that at one time uh, was preaching completely the truth, and now they have gotten confused. The apostle says it like this to them, and, and, and I like how he says it to them. And I, I come to you this morning to, to speak to this church for a little while today. He says, you you." did run well. You did run well, but then he asked the question, but who has hindered you? If there was a question that I could bring to this congregation this morning, perhaps it would be if there is any part of you that is not running as well as it used to run. I come this morning to remind you that uh, this church did run well. But if you're not running at the level that you have once ran, then can I ask you the question this morning, who is it that hindered you? 
The apostle didn't say what hindered you. He knew the, what the what was. He said, who is it that has hindered you? The, the, the who in this text very well may be fitting for the church today because I've got a feeling this morning that the who may be you. Because the apostle Peter, I believe it was, says it's something along this line. He said, I am persuaded that nothing can separate me from the love of God. We, we, you see, we can make up excuses and blame it on somebody else and talk about the why that we're not where we used to be and it's everybody else's fault and it's everything that I've been through and it's all the people that I'm around. But I want to tell you this morning that there's really nothing that can keep you from serving serving God except yourself. There's not even a devil in hell that can keep you from serving God. There's not an addiction too strong that God can't break that addiction where you can come for free from that addiction and when the Son therefore hath made you free, you are free indeed. That tells me that you can live a life of freedom by the power of the blood of Jesus. I don't know how long or how deep or how much more that I have to say today, but the Lord spoke to me this week and He told me to ask you the question that, that the Apostle Paul asked the Galatians. You did run well, but what has hindered you? If I can put it in my vernacular today, you were doing pretty good, but what has happened? In January... We were fasting, but I come this morning to ask you, what has hindered us? In February, we were praying, but I come this morning to ask you, what has hindered us? Well, I got all four amens. Maybe it was because of a little story my dad told one time. He said there was a preacher preaching and he said people wouldn't say amen he kept saying say amen he kept asking the church would you say amen and they didn't say amen and it was a little little lesson that was taught to my dad by his pastor he said sometimes when you ask the church to say amen and they don't respond the way you think they should respond he said he was preaching one time and he kept saying say amen and after church one of the elderly ladies came forward and she said reverend it's hard to say sick him to a dog when he's got you by the seat of the britches. You did run well, but what has hindered? Can I just speak from my heart this morning? If you're a guest, would you just give me a few minutes to be pastor? We always look forward to the prayer and fasting season of January and February and what God does and what God's doing and, and all the things that's happened. But it seems that when summertime clicks in and we, we get along about April and May and we get past Easter and things begin to slide off and things begin to fade off. But the real issue is, is that the truth of the matter is, is we're probably not praying and we're probably not fasting. And then we wonder why we're not seeing the services, not seeing the revival, not seeing the move of God, 
not seeing God touch. The Lord's been waking me up about every week, uh, every day this week. The Lord's been waking me up about 4 o'clock in the morning this morning. The Lord woke me up. I got up. My wife thought I was sick. She thought something was wrong. She came in. What in the world are you doing? I'd gotten through the shower. I'm on my way to the church. She said, what in the world are, are we doing? But listen, I can't come stand in a pulpit and preach against prayerlessness if I am prayerless. And I can't come stand in the pulpit and preach against, against the lack of fasting if I am not fasting. But I come to you this morning just to, just to prod us just a little bit into thinking we did run well. But what has hindered us? You started off well, church. But I'm asking you today, is there something that has hindered you? Is there something that's got in the way? Is there something that has affected what we are doing? I'm going to break it down and preach it like I feel it this morning. The apostle said, who is it? Usually the who is us. But if the who is not you and the who is somebody else, you need to separate yourself from whoever that who is and say, I don't want any more of what you got to say or what you got to think or what you've got to do. I've seen some that do well. They do well for a while, but they get around somebody. And they let them drag them back down. I've told people if I've said it once, I've said it hundreds of times in my office while counseling people that are trying to come out of the old life that they were living. They're trying to get away from alcohol, get away from drugs, get away from their old life. And I tell them if you're going to get out of it, you got to get away from it. you got to separate yourself from it. Whatever it is that's pulling you back down, find out who it is that's hindering you and walk away from it. Well, pastor, I want to see them saved. Good, I do too. But you're not strong enough to see them saved yet. Get yourself saved. And when you get strong enough, God will lead you back to them. And you can lead them to the cross. But for right now, if somebody is hindering you, separate from them. Get to the point where it's about you. Who has hindered you? You did run well. You were on fire for God. You were living living a life of holiness and separation. You were doing wonderful. But who hindered you? There was a time when we would seek spiritual gifts. But who is hindered? Not long ago. We were focused on the calling that God's put in our life. But today, who did hinder you? The Apostle Paul puts this in terms of the relay runner when he said, you did run well. I like how he put it. You did run well. But we need to find out who hindered your running. Among runners and athletes, it's common knowledge that starting, starting well doesn't guarantee finishing well. Brother Stan Gleason spoke at Envision Leadership Conference a couple of months ago or a month or so ago. I was privileged to be there. He came and started talking to us. He said, sometimes we get so caught up into reaching new people, reaching the lost, winning new souls, 
evangelizing. He said, the Lord never said go win souls, but he did say go make disciples. A lot of people get started running well, but they don't keep running. Just because you start out well doesn't mean you're finishing well. Just because someone starts out leading in the race doesn't mean that they're going to finish leading in the race. The Apostle Paul puts it in terms of the relay runner. And I say to you this morning that we've got to start running this race considering the last mile before we ever start running the first mile. Often the front runner is not the person that wins the race. They now have running teams and riding teams. We've got some bike riders in here. You know the running routine or you know the, the riding routine. They, they, they ride or they run in teams and in groups. They have a rider that will ride in front and he's not the champion. But he is serving a purpose. And he will run in the lead for a while before he drops back in the pack and another runner moves into the lead. And he runs in the lead for a while, setting the pace. He's setting the pace for the group. And what he is doing is he is establishing, he is establishing a pace where the champion will be able to break loose in the last in the last lap. And so in running or in riding, these athletes have learned that they have to keep the final mile in view. Sometimes the one that puts all of his energy into the start of the race pushes himself too far and has not properly prepared himself, and he falls away, and he falls by the wayside. He is exhausted. He is strained, sometimes even injured. It happens in the church. They feel wounded. They feel despondent. They feel despair. But it's nobody's fault but the runner. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 encourages us. To set our eyes and to focus on the mark of the prize of the high calling. The goal of the prize is the high calling of God. But that runner gets out and begins to run. They have to learn to run with patience. I heard somebody the other day talking about their kids. They were a little frustrated with their kids. Their kids were wanting a house. They'd gone and helped them find a house. And the kids went and looked at the house and came back, and the house wasn't good enough for them. So the parents went and helped them find another house. The kids went and looked at that house, and that house wasn't good enough for them. The kids also needed a car, so the parents helped them find a car. They went and looked at the car, but the car wasn't good enough for them. So finally, the parents called the newly married couple together, set them down, and said, let's talk for a little bit. What is it that you're looking for? They had this idea of what they wanted. They had this idea of what they wanted it to be like. The car they wanted, the house they wanted, the kind of clothes they wanted to wear. You know, they wanted to keep up 
with the Joneses, so to speak. And the parents looked at them and said, so you're wanting what mom and I have. And they said, well, yeah, kind of. And they said, we didn't start out there. It took us a while to be able to get there. You're going to get there and you're going to do better. You're going to exceed where mom and I are today, but it's going to take you some time to get there. You see, in running, you got to learn to run with patience. I wish that I wish the youth were in here this morning so I could speak to them about this idea because it's a concept that sometimes they fail to wrap their mind around. They've got to learn to run with patience. There is timing to everything in God. They they want the ministry, they want the they want the, the they want all the great things, but they've got to learn to run worthy. It's not somebody says, well, I don't know about my calling. It doesn't seem like my calling's coming to fruition. It's not about the calling. God can call anybody. But if you're going to be used of God, you've got to walk worthy of the calling. You've got to walk worthy of the vocation. Can I speak to young ministers that may be in this room this morning? If you want to be a good preacher, that's wonderful, but good preaching is not going to build a ministry. You've got to walk worthy of the calling. You got a reputation that is on the line. You got to walk worthy of the calling. You got to run this race with patience. And no, I'm not preaching conference yet. I'm not, neither am I. I. Well, I'm not preaching every week yet. I don't have this opportunity yet. I don't have that opportunity yet. I'm not getting the solo in the choir yet. I'm not doing this yet. I'm not where I want to be yet. Just keep running with patience. Just be faithful in the small things. You see, there is, a, there, 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 is, there is a method to the madness in God's kingdom. He is putting you through the process of preparation. We've got to learn to run with patience. Time is everything. God doesn't work on our timetable. Because the Lord is trying to work some endurance into us. We must run with endurance. This thing is not a sprint. It's a marathon. You can tell I know a lot about marathon running. I'm built for it. But I'm going to tell you something I don't ever want it to be said. There was a time, pastor, when you ran well. But what is it that has hindered you? Something has happened. We must run with endurance. We didn't start this race to run a little while and drop out and try to jump back in just before the finish line. But I want to tell you this morning that if you want to be what God is calling you to be, we've got to learn to run this race with endurance. We've got to endure persecutions. We've got to endure tribulations. The Bible said we've got to endure hardness. We've got to endure afflictions. We've got to endure chastening. We've got to endure grief. Just a few things that the Bible in the New Testament says that we have to endure. We've got to endure all things. We're talking about running a race and enduring until the end because the race is not to the swiftest but to he that endures. 
preaching on enduring is not going to make you run laps around the church this morning. It's not going to have you falling out in the Holy Ghost this morning. But running with endurance will get you saved. Running with endurance will get you through the hard times. Running with endurance will get you on top of the mountain. But you got to keep running and keep running and keep running. And you say, hey, everybody's passing me up. Keep running. You're going to catch up with them before long. It's in God's time. God's never been able to use anybody that lacks commitment. I know this is simple teaching, preaching this morning. I know it seems simple. But it is simple things like commitment that keep a lot of people from reaching their potential. King Saul was a great starter. He was a perfect choice for a king to rule over Israel. The Bible describes him as a man with a striking figure. He was handsome. He was brave. He was strong. And he was also humble. It was Saul who was a man that was God's choice for Israel's first king. Saul's initial part of his reign was characterized by striking leadership abilities and bravery as he rules over Israel. And he led them through many victorious battles. But then tragedy struck. And Saul disobeyed God. He became jealous and paranoid. And he derived a plan to murder. His life continually spiraled downward as he visited mediums and then finally took his own life. There's a lot of people that start well. There's some folks who need to make up in their mind that they will become consistently committed in their life. There are people with a lot of abilities that miss commitment. And it thwarts the plan that God has in their life. That little word, commitment. Commitment makes you get up on the days you don't feel like it and show up to church. You see, when you're committed, nobody has to make you do it. There is something inside of you that pushes you, that causes you to say, this is what I must do. This is what I am about. We've got to learn to run with purpose in this race and understand that there is a prize at the end of the race. We must run with purpose. Another great leader in the Bible, his name was David. He's a perfect parallel to the man named Saul. David was another great starter. David was a man who followed God from his youth. David ministered to Saul. He killed Goliath. He became a great warrior and finally became a king. The issue about David was that David was anointed king as a lad. 
but he didn't serve as king until he had been through God's process. You know what comes next in David's biography? David committed adultery. He signed a death warrant and had an innocent man killed for his own self-centered desires. However, we know that David realized his terrible, horrible mistakes as God convicted him of his sin and his wrongdoing. And then we read in Psalm 51 of David's prayer of confession and of repentance. When David realized the error of his way, David, a man who did run well, David, a man who had spoken so many powerful things and had written so many incredible songs that we even sing today. Now David has fallen. And then we read David's repentant prayer unto the Lord as he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Despite his good start, David nearly fell out of the race altogether. But then he realizes the mercy of God that was there for him. And David knew he was undeserving. And he knew he was flawed in his way. But David came back around and said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Can I preach to somebody this morning who maybe was once running well, but maybe today you're not running so well. And I've asked you already the question of what has hindered you. But can I tell you this morning that there is mercy and there is grace for you today. You can get back in the race. You can find restoration. You can find restored strength, restored joy, restored position. God can restore you. You can be restored restored. You're not a lost cause. You're not wasted merchandise. You are a child of God. You can get up from where you are. You can put it back together. You can carry on. You can make it. Oh, somebody give God a shout of praise in the house. Oh, get in the race. Get back in the race. Oh, I've lost so much ground, so did David. I've lost influence, so did David. People will look at me strange, so did they, David. But when the prayer gets right, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. God, don't withhold your spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy. Yesterday, Brother Danny, Brother Brandon Newcomer, and I spent the day in a leadership class in Sheridan that was designed for our section and some of the surrounding sections participated. One of the most impacting moments for me was a statement that was made about relay runners that I didn't realize and they didn't know I had already started preparing a message for Sunday. They made a statement, and I never considered it. And it blew up in my mind. I don't even know much of what was said after that. 
I spent the rest of my time pondering this little thought. The speaker said, relay runners must learn to run in their own lane. I'm going to let you think about that for a minute. They have to learn to run in their own lane. Because in relay running, if they step out of their lane, they are disqualified. So could it be that when the Apostle Paul addresses the church, Brother Kuzman, and said, you did run well, but you started swerving. You're running like I drive. You're crossing the lines. I knew Brother Danny would get a kick out of that. Said that one just for him. The relay runner's got to learn to run in his own lane. He can't interfere with somebody else's running. Because if he steps out of his line, steps across the line into another lane, he becomes disqualified in the race. And the great practice the reason that they have to go and run is not just conditioning, but there's practice that has to be put into place for the running. Because in relay running, they have to hand off a baton. And so the runners have to learn to run in sync. Come up here and help me, Brother Danny. They have to learn to run in sync. While one runner is running, you're running. <laughs> While one runner is running, the other runner has to pick up his pace. He has to get up to speed. And he has to be in the lane. And he comes behind and there is a handoff to where the one that is carrying the baton runs behind the one that is now stepping into the lead to carry the baton. And the handoff has to be made. And it has to be made without dropping the baton. And so the runner runs through with full power, full speed. He is still in his lane. But there is a handoff area that is created to where that the new fresh runner has now started running and when the carrier that has been carrying the baton reaches a point, the runner now has been able to reach nearly full speed as this runner hands off to the next runner. This is why that they don't start out with the fastest runner. Because if they started with the fastest runner and they went with slower runners, the, the pace of the race would continually slow. But the person that is put at the final, the one that is to run the final leg, is almost unequivocally 
chosen, the fastest runner on the team. And he is then placed as the anchor. He is to finish the race. He is then, if if another runner has stumbled, if another runner has lost, he now knows what he has to do to be able to make up the the time that has been lost. And that, that runner takes that baton on that final leg and he finishes it strong. But I want to remind you this morning that it may not be by accident that God has chosen this church for this hour. I feel the help of the Lord. He's chosen this church for this hour because we are living in the last days. I thank God for our bishop. I thank God for men like your father. I thank God for our elders that carried the baton. But now as we approach the coming of the Lord, we've got to get in this race and we've got to know He gave us He saved us for this hour. He saved us for this moment. He saved us for a time such as this. And we've got to come out in this race. And we've got to have the finish line in mind. And say, give me the baton. I'm going to run this race. I wish somebody this morning would get it in their spirit. And say, I hadn't been running with all I got. But I'm in the last leg. i got to get in the race. And i got to run to win the race. I gotta run to win the race. We gotta be focused on the prize. Woo. This world's not our home. <laughs> this world's not our home. I can't be looking to the left or to the right. I can't be swerving out of my lane and into somebody else's. I gotta get focused on where I'm going to. They say when that runner learns to run, he doesn't have to look at his feet. He doesn't have to look down at the track. He doesn't even have to look at the lines. It just comes natural to him. He learns. He has ran it so long. He has been committed to running so long that when he begins to run, that the thought process has nothing to do with staying the line. It has nothing to do with where anybody else is. He's running with one thought in mind. Heaven is in my view. The finish line is in my view. I got to win this race. I got to hear him say, well done. I got to run this race. I got to stay in here until I finish what God has called me to do I've got to finish Paul tells us to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God I don't want to get there and the Lord look at me and say son You lived your whole life in and around the church. You served people. You served the district. You gave in offerings. You gave your time. You led. You did run well. 
But something happened here in this last Eternity's in view. We're too close to the finish line. To get there. And the Lord look at us. Say, well, you had an impeccable track record of showing up to church. Had a great record in giving. Great record in serving. But there was one little problem. On that last lap. That last push. Something hindered you. I want to ask you a very pointed question this morning. If there is something hindering your walk with God, I wouldn't leave here this morning without fixing whatever needs repaired or removing whatever is in my path because when we approach that finish line and we look him face to face I want to hear him say well done well done you finished and you finished heads are bowed and eyes are closed in the room this morning I feel the drawing of the I feel the drawing of His Spirit in this house this morning. You did run well. You can run again. It's not over because you stumbled. It's not over because you dropped the baton. It's not over because you stepped out of the line. Thank God we don't live under the law. Thank God there's grace and mercy for you. Thank God there's opportunity for you today. Thank God there's hope for you this morning. And God is calling us today. He's calling you to get back in the race and run well. Get back in the race and run well. I'm asking you to stand with me this morning. God is speaking to hearts today. No one's looking around. I want to make this as easy as possible for us this morning. This Sister Cheryl prepares to sing. Maybe this is a little old-fashioned for you, maybe a little strong for you for a Sunday morning. But I want to speak to that one today that knows that you're on your last lap. And that maybe your step is not what it used to be. Get back in the race this morning. Get back in the race this morning. God's calling you. Grace and mercy's reaching for you. You did run well. 
I challenge you to run well again. I challenge you to run well again. altars are open this morning. Would you like to step out from where you are? Is there some this morning that would like to step from where you are and say, I'm coming this morning. I want to finish strong. I want to finish well. God bless these that are coming today. And the cross before by the grace of God, I will serve the Lord. Oh, I have made my Yeah. 